Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and thank you for joining me today. I hope you uh, I've had a good day. We're going to have guy talk or guys who talk. They're going to start just in a couple of minutes. Then we're going to have a very interesting discussion with Adam Davis. He has uh, written a devotional called Prayers and Promises for First Responders. And then uh, Beverly Canaris is going to join me as well in the second hour. We're going to um, have a lot of uh, good good things happening today. So thank you for being with us. If you have questions for Guy Talk, you know the drill. Text them over to 877-933-2484. My power panel today is Pastor Tom Parrish and Jeff Verdorn. Gentlemen, welcome. Good to be here, Bill. Hi, Bill. Yeah. So I would like to uh, start today's conversation with this expression. We've heard this many, many times. Um, love the sinner, but hate the sin or not approve of the sin. What do you think when we hear that? How do we make that, um, how do we process that? Most don't process it well, but we need to. We need to understand that Jesus, you look at Jesus' life. He went and ate with the tax collectors and the sinners and the prostitutes, but he didn't condone their lifestyle. He went into their presence and loved them, and many of them followed him. With the religious leaders, though, he got pretty nasty at times. I mean, not too often have I ever called a church leader, a whitewashed sepulcher. But, you know, it's, it's something I would keep in the back of my mind. But the point is, we need to be more adept at knowing how to care for people the way Jesus does, give them opportunities of redemption, and at the same time, stand for biblical truth and for Jesus and not allow our emotions to get in the way or sway our thinking. And most of us are not good at that, and most churches need to be literally teaching and practicing that, and I know I need that on a regular basis. You know, I think of the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4, and I don't think this woman's life was uh, exemplary, to say the least. And Jesus actually points out to her her sin, uh, but then offers her something uh, that's, that's much greater, and that is the forgiveness of her sin, a new life. And he says, if you knew who you were talking to, you would have asked me for living water, and it would well up to eternal life. And and basically what he's saying there, if you know the rest of the story, I'm here, I will save you from your sin and uh, and offer you this new life in me. And uh, that's, I think, what we need to do when it comes to all of these sins. I think uh, Christianity is often known for what we are against, and I think we should be uh, known for what we are for, and that is uh, the cross. And there is no sin in this world that can outsin the atoning work that Jesus did on the cross. I don't think most people realize that when they ask us to accept a sinful behavior or an anti-biblical behavior, that they're basically asking us to reject Jesus. And I think we've got to understand that. And I know they're not thinking directly in those terms, but that's really what it comes down to. I have to set aside what Jesus said in order to accept you, my cousin, who's getting in a, a, maybe it's a gay marriage or a different lifestyle or whatever, Mm -hmm. because you want me to love you. And if I don't love you, then I'm an evil person. Well, I have to also love Jesus, and I'm caught 
between that. So I'm still going to love you, and I'm going to love Jesus, but I'm going to do what Jesus says over what anybody else says. There are sinful behaviors in Scripture. Um, there are many that are very clear that the, this is not God's will for us, and uh, that is the sin. That's we can we can hate the sin. These are things that God. And we can say it. God hates sin, and there is behavior that God disapproves of. He doesn't like. But at the same time, he demonstrated his love for the world in this, that while we were sinners, he died for us. So he loves the world. And I think as Christians, we need to do the same thing. We need to love the sinner, but but hate the sin. And not, you know, the the, the some of the radical agendas that are out in the world today are trying to force us to accept the behavior. Now, that's something Christianity should not do, just as you talked about, Tom. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... It's it's uh, it is a, it's it's a very tricky situation, especially when you have someone that you know who's caught in this sin. How do I deal with it? Do I go to the wedding? Do I go to the? Do I send the gift to the gay marriage? Do I do I bake the cake? Do I make the T-shirt? Do I you know for some of these things? So those are those are all tough Christ, uh, issues that Christians have to respond to. Mm-hmm. Jeff, you brought up the uh, woman. Uh, at the well, what about the w- woman that was caught in adultery? Uh, Mark wanted to know. Uh, I've always wondered about the man and where he fits into the story. <laughs> well, he would be guilty too, right? I mean, adultery is adultery. Um, you know, I think Christianity tries to look at homosexuality as some kind of special class of sin when actually it's sexual immorality that God talks about often. So if you have a, a friend of yours who is in an adulterous situation, uh, that's just as wrong. That's just as much sexual immorality as any kind of homosexual activity. Um, so it's it's not exclusive to one or the other. So yeah, the, the woman was guilty. By the way, Jesus pointed out her sin too uh, in that story. And of course, the man would have been guilty of adultery as well. But I don't think the guy was present if I remember the story. Well, they didn't drag him along like they did the woman who was caught in the very act. Somehow I think there's got to be a guy there to create the act. There but they been. didn't drag him in because they were setting up Jesus. They were trying to make Jesus look like a fool and trap him. And Jesus wasn't going to go for that at all. But he taught us something incredibly important, that in the midst of sin, there is always redemption. Yes, And we have to, as the church, be holding out that redemption every single time we say something is not his will. There's always the other side. And I wish more of us would do that. It would be much better for the whole church because people are desperately lost and need help, and we need to keep the door open. Good. Uh, here's a question. Jeff, I'm already looking your direction. I was wondering if the four horsemen come from heaven, or do they work with Satan? I guess I'm wondering about their origins. Can Satan create beings, or is he limited to God's creation that has fallen? So this is the four horsemen of the first four seals— uh, in Revelation 6, and the one who opens the seals is Christ. So he sees a scroll. It has seven seals. He opens the seals, and the first four of those seals are uh, are the four horsemen of the apocalypse, as they're often called. So these four first four seal judgments are these four horses. So I think we know these are judgments from, from God. So And it, actually, if you look at the four seals, uh, they actually parallel— what Jesus says to look for 
in Matthew 24. So there is a deceiver who comes, the first horse. There is wars that come, the second horse. There is famine that comes, the third horse. And there's death that comes, the fourth horse. Well, what does Jesus say to look out for in Matthew 24? He says, look out for deceivers and wars and famine and death. And uh, those are four signs that the disciples asked for at the beginning of Matthew 24. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. So he actually gives them those four signs as things to look for, for his coming, which is, I believe, his second coming, which happens at the end of Matthew 24. All right. Uh, in Mark chapter 2, verse 15, and we're going back to what we originally started talking about, it says, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. So isn't it interesting that that there were these sinners and tax collectors that as a result of being in the fellowship of Jesus turned out to follow him. Mm-hmm. So how are we doing as believers uh, being engaged in the sinners and tax collectors of our day? I think it's a great question. And I think one thing we have to look at is this. Many, many people uh, follow Jesus in the sense they're interested in him. They want to know more about him without making a commitment to him. What we want to do is we want to help foster that walk. And so whether these were absolute believers or just, you know, following because they were fascinated by Jesus, we want to give them that opportunity. And then when the time comes, uh, the, the door that I've always found opens the door when somebody's ready to receive him. My goal is to be ready to help them do that when the opportunity. So it's interesting who Jesus gathered with and how he spent time with them and how these people wanted to be around him, even the sinners and the tax collectors. Remember, it's the Pharisees who said, why does Jesus uh, eat with tax collectors and sinners? Uh, So in their eyes, they were sinners. Uh, I don't know that the Pharisees had a good understanding of what was a sinner and what wasn't. Remember, they are whitewashed tombs, Jesus said. They wash the outside of the cup and, and forget about the inside of the cup. Um, but uh, but clearly, Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says, of whom I am the worst. So uh, uh, healthy people, he said, do not need a doctor. It's those who are lost, who are still dead in their trespasses and sins that need a Savior. So um, if he had a message and he was going to market his message, uh, he was going to bring it to the people who needed it. And, and that was the sinners of the world. Mm-hmm. Let me back up to my original question, which was, uh, Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors, and how are we doing with uh, being with people like that? And I'm thinking, well, that's us, us too, right? Of yeah, course, did, we're all... did we not answer the question? I guess no, we didn't no, do a very good job. No, answering no, no the... you did, no, you did. But I'm thinking, <laughs> I didn't want to sound like I was, uh, you know, above that group. No, I, 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 I mean, think... I'm not a sinner or a tax collector, except I am. I'm. A I know. I find once sinned. I have found and it still can in my own life. I tend to hang out with a lot of Christian folks in Christian ministry at my church and my studies and my groups, and, and I hang out with a lot of Christian guys. But I still have neighbors and friends who are, who are unbelievers, and, and I have to remember I need to continue to engage them, even though I prefer the company of believers. I mean, I really do. I mean, I, you know, you hang around a bunch of unbelievers and, you know, you talk about the twins or the Vikings or, you know, the weather or something like that. Uh, I find in, I find believers much more engaging and interesting to talk about eternal things. But I but I so but at the same time, we need to remember that we are light. We are supposed to be light in this world. And uh, so, yeah, it's the it's the sinful that need forgiveness and need a savior. So 
Well, we take advantage of any divine opportunity that comes our way. So if we step into a situation where there are people that do not acknowledge the Lord and are cut up in all the wrong things, you know, I step into those situations trying to represent Jesus as best I can and wait for the opportunity. I, too, like being with Christians. Um, the bottom line is, when you talk about sinners and tax collectors here, there are really two kind of people in the world, because we're all sinners. We're all lost. But there are those who finally have admitted they're lost and need a Savior, Jesus, and those who still know they're lost, but they really don't know where to go with it. And that's who most of the people are in this world. You and I are simply the beggars who have found the food, and now we invite others to eat the same food, whose name is Jesus. All right, we'll take a little break. Lots of guy talk or guys who talk ahead. Let me know what questions you would like on the air today. 877-933-2484. I know you have something you've been thinking about for a while. You've been wrestling with a passage of Scripture or you've heard something that you didn't understand completely. Maybe you had something you wanted to talk to your pastor about, but you didn't know if you felt comfortable enough. So just text it over right now, and we'll get it on the air. 877-933-2484. My guests today are Pastor Tom Parrish and Jeff Verdorn. We'll be right back. listening to Guy Talk, or Guys Who Talk, and the power panel is Tom Parrish, Jeff Verdorn, and would love to hear uh, your questions. Send them over, 877-933-2484. We did get an interesting uh, conversation started when we talked about love the sinner but hate the sin and how we navigate our way through that. There are plenty of occasions, uh, especially in today's world, where we will be confronted with some things that maybe we've never been confronted before. Uh, Jeff, you and I were chatting in the green room before the start of a friend of yours that was concerned as to how to respond to a situation with his niece who's getting married to a person of the same sex, and what do you do? Yeah, I'll I'll jump in the deep end here first on this (laughs) issue. Um, I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, (laughs) and and the question is, well, do you send a a gift or not? The the wedding's out of state. It, It already happened. It's a celebration uh, that's occurring afterwards, but the person wanted to talk about getting together about do I send uh, a gift or not? And I and I think you, you remember the baker out in Colorado yeah. mm-hmm. who wouldn't bake a cake for the wedding, and I think a lot of Christians kind of jumped onto that. Me me included. I kind of stood up for the baker and said, you know what, you know he's got the right to serve you know whoever, and and God says this is wrong and so on. But you know I've thought about this issue over the years, and I I think I've actually changed the point. And it's like. Wouldn't you bake the best cake you possibly could for that for that couple and let them know I'm not approving of what you're doing, but I put a shingle up on the door and said, I'm going to bake cakes and I'm going to bake the best cakes that I can. And I think about if a, a couple would have come in who were unequally yoked, a heterosexual couple, but that's not God's will for marriage either. Would he have baked a cake for them? 
So, I, I mean, I really feel for the caker. I stand with him. I get it. But there's part of me that thinks, you know what? Maybe we should have baked the best cake we could and loved the person um, instead of just kind of stiffed on the people. I think in the same way, this niece, I think we need to show them that we love them. And I think we can do that without approving of what they're doing. I think in those situations, too, I don't know, did did you get an invitation through the mail? Did somebody call you? Or, you know, was it at, you know, they're getting married at 4 and they let you know at 359? Because that's kind of a tough one if you get one minute before. Most of us get notice these things are going to happen. I mean, gay couples do it just like heterosexual couples. They send out invitations or whatever. First thing I would recommend is get on your knees mm-hmm. and say, Jesus, look, I don't have a like this. It's not your will. I know your will is different. What do you want me to do in this? How do I represent you? Some people can't go. The Lord will say to them, I don't want you there. And others will say, I want you to go and be my witness and to stand for the truth. And we have got to understand as Christians that we cannot hide from the world. We must be in the world, but not of the world. So we've got to go mm-hmm. and not be passive. I think, you know, growing up Lutheran, we heard so much about grace that we became almost graceless. And what I mean by that is we accepted everything because it's all by grace anyway. We have to stand up and we have to sometimes be firm in what we believe, but that's at the Lord's guidance, not at my guidance, because the Lord wants to redeem them. And I want to represent Jesus when I go into the situation. So I advise you, get on your knees, ask the Lord what to do, and give him a couple of days to give you some answers through people, through circumstances or whatever. Looks like <laughs> looks like we're gonna have a, a break in the action here on Guy Talk, and looks like Rosie's jumping in. You want me to talk to you? Yeah, and talk. We'll call you Larry, <laughs> okay? And then we'll call you Does Larry, and then talk like with a deeper voice. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Larry, what do you think? Well, um, actually, this actually happened to me, and hmm. um, you know, it's interesting, Tom, because that is what I ended up doing. Is I first went to the Lord, and the Lord gives you strength to walk out what he is asking of you. And for myself in this particular situation, relationship is extremely important. There's no door into helping somebody come to know the Lord if you don't have a relationship. And so when a friend of mine uh, invited me to her wedding, I, you know, we we sat down and had coffee and I said, I love you. I, I love who you are, but above all my relationships on earth is my relationship with God. And he has a different plan for marriage than what you're doing. So I, in good faith to my God, cannot attend the wedding, but I would love to be there at the reception, loving you like you are loving me in my relationship Mm. with the Lord. And it was great. And she respected that. And I was able to celebrate relationship with her. Um, We're still in relationship today. Is she walking with the Lord yet? No. Is she heterosexual? You know, is she still in her gay lifestyle? Yes. But I, I'm not the one who chooses the day or the hour that she comes to know Christ. Right. So. Wow. Thank you, Larry. Good Anytime. Word. Yeah. Good word. <laughs> that sounds like uh, hating the sin, but loving the sinner to me. I think the, the key to all of this, and I mean this with all my heart to the listeners, if you are a Christian, you've got to be Jesus to people. And that means sometimes you go into some really bad situations But even if you do, you're still there representing him, and your goal is always the redemption of lost people. Once people come to know Jesus, a lot of things change. But even people, I mean, I I know couples that are gay who uh, we're privileged to lead to the Lord. 
And then suddenly they say, what do we do? You know, we know this isn't the Lord's will, and it takes a long time, but they eventually went their separate ways. Hmm. I mean, they remained friends, but they finally ended it as a marriage relationship, and that does happen. As a pastor, I'm on the other end of this. I hear all the rhetoric out there for abortion, all the rhetoric for gay marriage and that. I'm on the other side. I'm dealing with the women that are angry they had the abortion and nobody helped them. I'm dealing with the couples on the other end of it that are saying, why didn't somebody tell me about this before I went into it? Why didn't why wasn't somebody honest with me? And I think that there are two sides to this, and we have allowed one side to dominate the discussion. We have failed to bring the Lord's side, and we need to do that. Here's another question that just came in, sounds a little bit familiar to what we're talking about. If your daughter was cohabitating with a man and they invited you over for dinner and have been asking you to be part of their life, would you go for dinner? Does going condone the relationship or would you offer to have a relationship in a neutral site? You know, you just read the passage from Matthew 9 where Jesus was eating with the sinners and in the Pharisees' minds, Jesus was condoning their sin. Right. I don't think Jesus condoned anybody's no, sin no, ever. Never. So just like Rosie talked about, to continue that relationship. Larry. Uh, Larry, I'm yeah. sorry. If I have Larry. <laughs> <laughs> just as Larry Sky told talk. us. Yeah, Sky talk, Sky talk. I know. Sorry. Forgot. Good job, Give Larry. Give the program. Uh, what was my point? He, she, <laughs> she, she wasn't condoning anything, but she has kept that relationship going. So I, I think you can have dinner uh, in that situation and in love. Let them know. Now, remember, don't forget to tell them that, you know, just like you said, I, I answer to a God who still sees this as sin, as sin. You don't need to ever compromise that. No. Right? But you can continue to love them as 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 your son or daughter. Mm -hmm. This mother, I would say to her, quite frankly, go to the dinner, but ask the Lord for a divine appointment. Mm. He knows how to set the table. He knows what to serve in terms of the spiritual needs. You go and let him speak to you in that moment. And I know he will speak through that mother in some way. And I've had many couples come back to me and say, you know, it was years later, but I remember what you said or this person said or whatever, and I couldn't sleep and it changed my life. We don't want to miss those opportunities. Amen. So we've only got 90 seconds before the break, but here we continue this discussion, and this uh, listener says, well, sh- should I be going to my this gay cousin's wedding? And I have kids, 5 to 15. How do I discuss it with them? Well, that's wonderful. What an opportunity to teach them about the love of Jesus, but the, the truth of Jesus. I'd sit down with those kids ahead of time, and I'd have a real blunt talk, and I'd say... Hey, you know, you're not... Maybe three... with the 15-year-old, by the way. Maybe not the 5-year-old. Oh, of course. Yeah. You're not with the 5-year-old. You, you modify it for the 5-year-old. Correct. You do it for the 15-year-old. But you you give them a biblical understanding of Jesus' love, but also Jesus' rules or laws or what he desires, and how we're to react in that. And I think you can wind up taking your kids to that setting without endorsing the behavior. But you go there to endorse Jesus. Mm-hmm. Take a break. When we come back, lots more God Talk. Let me know what your thoughts and questions are. You can text them to 877-933-2484. Lots of great questions coming in. We'll get to them when we return.
dinner you know i'd like to say i was fasting but i'm not i missed lunch today so i'm thinking about dinner <laughs> well call it a fast I'm very hard. well i no, could call it a fast you could. yeah thank you for uh, joining me today my, my power panel is tom Parrish and jeff verdorn and a couple other questions have come in based on our topic last half hour and it's this we'll start with this can you expand on your current topic to discuss your general thoughts on creating a statement on a christian organization's beliefs on gender marriage and sexuality well, I've been on a couple boards of Christian ministries, and I remember when the gay marriage uh, came before the Supreme Court, and basically they said it's a constitutional right across the country. Um, it became very important for Christian organizations of any kind that if they were going to hold fast to their biblical principles, to their statement of beliefs and statement of faith, that they needed to document their deeply held religious beliefs. That's kind of the legal standard to say, these are the things that we affirm. These are the things that we we require for those who work at this organization. And these are our deeply held religious beliefs. Because if you're a Christian school, suddenly you just might have some, probably even some activists coming to your school saying, hey, I'm a math teacher, but I'm gay. You don't hire them and, you know, lawsuits ensue. So it's very important for Christian organization. I think most, I, I'm assuming, Tom, your churches probably have done has done this already. Yeah, two of the churches I serve have gone through this process. And I would tell people right now, if you don't know where to begin, you can go to the Internet. There's lots of good information on there and examples. But I would say do it as uh, expediently as you can, mm-hmm. thinking it through biblically and letting it say what you want it to say. Here's a question. Uh, We left the church we used to go to, but we left it because it was becoming more about their stance on LGBTQ, like their flag uh, being flown, preschool gates outside in the LGBTQ colors, equity, etc. Do we owe an explanation to them about why we left? I would hope so. Now, I don't mean that in a legalistic way. But again, remember, you represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Think it through, pray it through, and if you have to, write it out. But you need to let the the school know, look, we love this school. We love the people. We can no longer bring our children here because you have drifted away from what Jesus commands and Mm -hmm. says in his word. And because you're asking me now to reject what Jesus says and accept what you believe, you know, I don't want to get into that situation, but you have put me in that situation we, therefore, can no longer be part of this organization or this school or this church. We need to go somewhere that is more biblical in its approach or whatever you want to say. But I think, what a great opportunity. And I tell people, go for it. I totally agree. If you're going to leave your church because they're drifting from biblical truth, then you need to tell them. It may not do any good, uh, but I think uh, you need to tell them and let them know. Mm-hmm. Another interesting uh, comment made, I, I, this is regarding people that do business, you know, and, and like the baker, for example, Jeff, I think you got a story on the t-shirt guy too, right? Well, yeah, it's, uh, if you're a Christian and you're in business and you put your shingle out on the, on the, above your door and say, open, um, I think you, you have a responsibility to serve whoever walks in that door. Mm -hmm. I mean, be it sinner or saint, um, you know, uh, God, I, I, I think that's the example that we saw in, in Matthew nine, 
Um, I remember watching a after the Baker incident, there was another T-shirt guy. I can't remember what state he was in, uh, but he also was being sued. And one of his lines I th- just thought was brilliant. He said, you know, I will work with anyone, but I won't print anything. And I thought that was a pretty good attitude to take. I'll work with anybody. You mean, if, you, if you're if you gay and you want to come in, I'll, I'll serve you uh, just like a diner should or, you know, whoever. Um, because if you were to say no just because of their sin, well, you're going to have to reject everybody who's not a believer in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this comment was, um, I said, signs should say we serve all in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. And it gives an, an opportunity for that owner to speak up. Mm-hmm. And and I think that part of what's happened in our society is that those that oppose the Christian stance have isolated Christianity. We basically try to rule it out of, of government. We try to rule it out of life. And my attitude is we got to step back into that. And therefore, this guy who put that sign up, I applaud him. Speak up for Jesus. Don't be afraid to stand up. And you may lose business. You may get sued. We can get sued for anything in this culture. But the issue is who are we standing for and what are we going to talk about? Mm-hmm. You know, Paul says if it's as much as it's up to us, we should get along with everybody. Uh, so we, it shouldn't be us who are stiff-arming people, mm-hmm. right? We have, we have the words of life uh, to offer a, a fallen world. So, so I mean, if you are a Christian and you, and you own a small motel and you're, you're working behind the desk because you're an owner-operator, you, you know, are, are you evaluating who's coming in and wanting to rent a room? And are you trying to decide who you're going to allow to rent a room and what activity is going to be going on? It would be a wrong stance to take for the business. I think it's a wrong stance to take for the gospel. Again, you know, instead of saying you can't come in here because you're a heterosexual couple, but you're not married and we're not going to let you have a room, I think is foolish. What he needs to do is put up a sign behind the desk that says, Jesus loves you, so do I, and welcome, and we hope you hear his word. Or something like that, so that, yeah, you can come if you want to. You're welcome to come and get a room, but understand what we stand for. Mm -hmm. Tom says it would be wrong. I totally agree. Uh, Not only would it be wrong to do that, it would be impossible to do that, because you can't see anybody's heart. You have no idea what they're going to be doing. Um, So I, I, you know, I agree. Have the sign that says, and as they check in, say, the Lord loves you, or God bless you, or you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, and the scripture says that there are some of you that have entertained angels unaware. Well, guess what? There are some of us that entertain demons unaware too. It's all out there. The issue is who are we going to be in the midst of that situation? Yeah. Now I, I will say first Corinthians uh, five says, Paul says, do not have any, anything to do with the sexually immoral brother. Yeah. He says, not meaning the world, because then you'd have to leave the world. The world's full of sin. Right. But if you have a brother who is in some kind of situation where they're, you know, clearly um, have sexual immorality going on in their life, and you you tell them, you bring it to their attention, you gently instruct, and, and they don't listen to it. Well, at some point in time, God says, well, then don't have anything to do with that brother. That's not the world, because you can't leave the world, because that's the state of the world. Yeah. Curious as to how this might be falling on the ears of someone who's same-sex attracted or maybe in a mm-hmm. life, in the lifestyle that we're talking about. If if you're listening to us and thinking, well, here are three guys having a kind, loving, rational discussion, or have you already written us off as kooks? Not at all, because your struggles in life and your attractions are no different than Jeff and my struggles and attractions. Ours may be 
you know, uh, heterosexual. It may be a lot of things. The issue is not that we have the struggles. It's what we do with those struggles, whether those struggles dominate us or we find a way to not let them dominate us. And Jesus says, look, you come to me. I can give you the power and the resources to overcome the deepest temptations of life. And after all these years of walking with him, I know that's true. He can. And I want to offer that to everybody who's out there struggling, no matter what they have. Mm -hmm. And if the person I just described is listening and you want to comment to us, I would love to hear from you. Mm -hmm. And I've got uh, time to hear your comment and we'll put it on the air. All you have to do is text it to me, 877-933-2484, or maybe... Uh, there's someone that has a sibling um, in the, the lifestyle, and you would like to comment as to how you think this conversation would go with them. I just want to make sure that we're being truthful, loving, um, and standing for God's Word. So 877-933-2484. Here's a question, uh, gentlemen. Is it unbiblical to ask for more of God or more of the Holy Spirit as if He is not already fully present? or hasn't given us all the Holy Spirit we need? Uh, this very good question. And I think this is one of these doctrines uh, that uh, different groups debate. I actually think that the moment you're saved, you're getting all of the Holy Spirit. You get it all. He says he's given you everything you need for life and godliness. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. So I think God has poured out his abundance on us the moment we believed and are saved. And, and he has given us everything we need. Uh, I think the the issue with our, our walk is our walk. It's us. It's our will. It's that we... We don't say to God, not my will, but your will be done. We say, let my will be done, even as a believer. So I, I'm, I'm kind of a firm believer that God has given us everything we need in this life. It's now up to us. He says that he wa- he's made you holy, now live holy. He's given you a new life, now live out that new life. And what's the power of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Those are the things we should be asking for. One of the things I learned in ministry, uh, ministry is destroying a lot of pastors, I'll be honest, a lot of pastors leaving the ministry. I think the reason I survived so long was the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, but also the fact that he convinced me to call upon him for wisdom, patience, the right words at the right time. I don't have to speak up to every situation in life, but there are times I do need to speak and there are times I need to be quiet. And I found over the years that the more I did that, and, and in counseling, uh, I did a lot of counseling in my ministry, and I'd have people come in, and I, I didn't have a clue what the issue was or how to deal with it. And I'd be sitting there listening and nodding my head like all good counselors do, and I'd be saying, Lord, you got to help me. I don't have a clue what's going on here. Please open a door. And I will tell you, and you know the scriptures, uh, there are times I get words of knowledge. And I'd say to that person, you know, tell me if this is true or not. You know, in the third grade. Something happened to you during the summer. And I watched people's face drain in front of me and say, how do you know? And I tell you, it was one of the greatest joys of life to be able to say, Jesus told me. But we call upon the Lord for power and wisdom. We don't have enough education, Bible study, understanding. It's when you're in this situation, you're calling on his name. All right. Let me know what your questions are. 877-933-2484. I think we'll take our break now and we'll come back and take your question again, 877-933-2484.
for being with us today. It's Guy Talker, guys who talk. Tom Parrish, Jeff Verdorn are my guests. I want to say a nod to Dr. Peter Kapsner, who is not with us today, because uh, I know what he's doing, but I'm going to leave it as a mystery. And 007 is not available today either, but that's okay. He could be anywhere in the world. You got that right. All right, so let me ask you this. Um, Ephesians 5, 15, and 16, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. When God says we should be redeeming the time, what do you understand that to be? And And how do we walk that out? Well, there are two ways to understand time here. One is opportunity. Opportunities come our way from the Lord many times, and sometimes we just walk right by them. We miss them. We want our eyes open so we can see that. Also, when you talk about time, this is the only time you and I have. We don't have tomorrow. We don't have next week in that sense. All we have is this moment the Lord has given us, and we want to take advantage of it, to use it to his glory. And if he gives us more time, terrific. But my biggest thing on time is just being aware of what the Lord's doing and not miss the opportunities that are right in front of us. I agree with that. I think it's the opportunities that we're talking about. It's, uh, you know, I think there's several kind of reasons why people aren't more active in sharing their faith. And I, I think people are feel that they're not equipped to do it. They don't have the knowledge. What if I get asked something that I don't know how to answer? I don't have all the biblical information. So they don't feel prepared to share their faith. Um, I think another reason is they don't feel worthy. They know God has called them to a certain life, and they look at their life, and they say, oh, I'm just, I'm not living the best Christian life I can. By the way, welcome to the to the world of Christianity. None of us are living a perfect Christian life. There's only one person who did, and his name is Jesus. He lived perfect life. All the rest of us fall short every day, even, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, but uh, but I think another reason is we we tend to just be lazy, to be honest, um, but, you know, I don't know other, any I other agree. way to put it. I, right. I think we say, oh, you know, should I talk to this guy sitting next to me on the plane or whatever? Ah, oh, no, I'm just going to watch a movie. And I think this passage is all about, no, God wants you to be his ambassadors in this world and uh, to hold out that word of life, to be light, as we've talked about today so much. Um, and I think that's what this verse is about. Right. So some comments coming in from much of today's conversation. And this is a good reminder. I had Dr. Uh, Christopher Yuan on the program, and he uh, was saying God is not calling you to be heterosexual. He's calling you to be holy. Good point. He has set us apart, Mm -hmm. right? And that being set apart from the world is to not act like the world, uh, but to... uh, And God has a design he has a design for mm-hmm. us. This book, this Bible is kind of like the owner's manual for mankind, right? And he says, hey, here's some things that will do you well. Here's some things that we that won't do you well. And uh, I think we need to take his design for marriage uh, for ourselves very seriously. So mm-hmm. I agree with that. I agree. When I uh, think of Faith Radio and the impact and uh, it has on people as they're growing in their faith, it's important truth be spoken, and without apology. Having said that, this uh, next comment that came in was this. I was told God doesn't speak to us since the New Testament. Is that true? Mm, God doesn't speak to us since the New Testament. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? See why it's written word or just speak to us is the question. Uh, well, that's just what I'm reading. Okay. In the text. We know he speaks through his word. No question about that. Here's the other thing. He speaks through people. Mm-hmm. And we need to pay attention to what other people say. I have learned biblical truth from little old ladies in my congregation that had no seminary education. And yet what they said was profound. And oftentimes he speaks to us through circumstances. You know, things pop up in front of us. Opportunities come our way. I remember my wife uh, had take after her mother died, she brought a necklace home from her mom. It was worth about $1,500. And somehow along the way, it disappeared. And so my boys were little. We all prayed about it. And Jan said, well, I'll tell the insurance company, see what they want to do. Well, she did. And the insurance company sent her $1,500. Well, guess what? That very day, she was going through something, and she opened up a little package, and there it was. Now, the choice was, what do you do with that? We went back to the boys, and we said, the Lord is taking care of us. We sent the check back and said, we have the necklace. The Lord took care of us. And and the insurance company wrote back and said, we've never had this happen before. <laughs> but that's the way we're to behave. That's the part of who we are in Jesus. He's the supplier of everything. Oh, totally agree. We we had an hour, by the way, on a side. I teach a Sunday class in the mornings. And uh, I, I told them in my class about an instant in which I had lost something. And I needed to find it that day. And I'd been looking for three days for this thing, right? And I was about to go have this lunch with this guy where I was supposed to return this book. It was a book to him. And uh, and I couldn't find it anywhere. And I'm standing in my family room about ready to leave. And I finally, after three days, you think I would have brought this to the Lord right away, right? No. Mm-hmm. I'm standing in the middle of my living room. I close my eyes and pray. It's like, Lord, I know you know where this book is. I need to find it. Can you help? Please help me find it. And I opened my eyes and there was the book. Yeah sitting on the lower shelf of my table that was next to where I sit and read. And it was sitting there. Now, was it sitting there the whole time or did it, you know, what, how did all that, I haven't. But the Lord spoke to you when you prayed by opening your eyes to see it, even if it was there the whole time. And the Lord is still speaking, not always with an audible voice, but he's speaking all the time. And we need to learn to pay attention. We do. And we ended up the whole hour sharing stories about lost things that God helped us found find. And it was one of the best hours I think I've ever had in my Sunday morning class. Mm, so right. yes, God does still speak to us today. Totally agree with that list. He speaks through his word. He speaks through other believers in your life, through circumstances. And then, you know, finally, of course, he speaks through the Holy Spirit, uh, which is God's voice within the believer. Yes. So yes, he speaks to his people today. Fascinating discussion. I, I love when you are in need of finding something and your instinct is right away, Lord, I, I, need, to, I need to find this. You know, it all depends on what you've lost, but there are some things you're a little bit more... And at my age, I do that all the time. <laughs> I'm always losing stuff. Yeah, but you can feel a little more panicked if it's a wallet or oh, my, something yes. like that, you know. Yeah. But it is, um, I think God, God wants us to come with all of our concerns. He does. Even if you think, well, that's just my absent-mindedness, I should punish myself because I don't have a better system because the key should always go right here when I walk in the door. I have uh, often described, uh, it's very easy to go to the Lord for the big things in your life, and I think most Christians do. If someone was went to the doctor and got di- sure. a diagnosis that wasn't very good, you know, the first place you go is to the Lord's feet, right? Um, but... 
I want to go to the Lord for all the little things in my life as well. Yeah. And uh, even when you lose a book. Mm-hmm. All the way over here. I'm serious. I'm talking to the Lord in the car. Hey, don't shut my eyes anymore. But I was <laughs> well, talking, you're driving, right? You're driving. Yeah. But I talked to the Lord because I know I need wisdom from Jesus for this program, for a time together, for anything that happens. I don't have enough information or knowledge to figure this all out. But we do serve a Lord who wants to talk to us and through us mm-hmm. to other people. Well, even today's show, I mean, obviously I pray all the time about uh, every hour because I want to bring great content. And I, I feel like it's an incredible privilege to have someone's attention. I want to be, I want to be very careful with that. And now today for Guide Talk, I've got Peter in another, another country. Jeff, you're on a fishing trip. <laughs> um, <laughs> Was going to be on a fishing Yeah, yeah. And 007's out. And I go, okay, it's Tom and I. <laughs> <laughs> it was frightening for a moment. But... For a, a, a moment it was. The and, guy who talks. Yes. And then I talked to Justin into, into making it. I said, boy, I really need you, Justin. He goes, okay, I'll, I'll be there. And then he texted me and said, um, boy, there's been an emergency that, that I, I need to pay attention to. So I'm out. And then Jeff t- uh, sends me a message and said, my fishing trip got canceled. I'll be there. And I thought, boy, thank you, Lord, because now I've got, I've got the power panel here. Uh, what a, and a, what a great time. I, this is just a great forum, and I love to talk about these things. And I think about this, this idea of prayer, and it's, you know, there's a simple truth that you can talk to the creator of all things whenever you want. Yeah. And why wouldn't you do that? 24-7. I love it. He's always there. Mm. What's one of your favorite illustrations, biblical, non-biblical, probably more non-biblical illustration that you like? That 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 makes a point. That paints a picture. I've talked about uh, when I was we were in Bangladesh and got to know some of the Muslim men and women mm-hmm. that had come to faith in Jesus and great testimonies. We get back, and this is early in the use of the internet. And we get an internet message from one of the missionaries that says, please pray for such and such. Uh, We just heard that he's been beaten badly in a village for sharing the gospel. And then uh, we got another message says, we know we've been told he's dead. And so they sent out a medical team because we helped start a hospital over there. So they sent out a medical team. And two days later, I get another one email. And he says, you and Jen sit down before you read this. And he said, we got out there, the medical team examined him, he was in rigor mortis, he was in gray, it was gone, and as we were lifting him up on the on the carriage, suddenly he came back to life, he wiped the blood off his face, went into the village, and as we know it right now, every single person in that village has bowed down now and cl- declared, Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, It's my greatest story. Top that one, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I don't have one that tops that. Yeah. I really don't. That's a, that's an amazing story. Someone yeah. coming back from the life. Hey, hey, I read that in the gospel someplace, right? Yeah. I'm guessing they never were quite dead. Probably. Yeah. But, I mean, look, we know uh, in the New Testament uh, that others were raised from the dead as well. True. Now, yeah. resuscitated, right? right? Lazarus was raised, but even after the resurrection of Christ, remember... And the resurrection of Christ was unto glory. He was in his glorified body. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's the only one who's been glorified today. We will one day be like him and receive our glorified body, but not yet. But uh, Paul raised the the young boy who was... Who was listening to him falls asleep and and fall? Have you ever had anybody fall asleep during one of your sermons and fall down? His and, name was Euthycus. Yeah, and out the third story window. Yeah, that happens almost every and Sunday. And Paul <laughs> raised him. And uh, phenomenal. 
So God is a resurrection God. He has the power over death and life. Mm-hmm. If we earnestly believe in eternal life, if we earnestly believe that one day we're going to be raised from the dead, you know, with new bodies, then what's so difficult for Christians to understand that he does this around the world now for his own purposes? Yeah. Thank you, gentlemen. Always great to have you Thank here you. Thanks, Bill. for Guy Talk. Take a break. When we come back, Adam Davis, he's the author of uh, Behind the Badge and Bulletproof Marriage. He's written a, a devotional called Prayers and Promises for First Responders. If you have one in your life or know someone, you're going to want to tune in. Don't miss. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.